Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Love Yours Podcast. It's me again, your host, Daisha Myers. And it is May. Happy May. Happy spring. I am super glad that it's like finally starting to get nice outside because this winter was rough. I don't know about y'all, but this winter felt like super long. It felt super depressing. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was just a lot of heavy energy this winter. Um, I don't know if y'all can relate to that, but yeah, so I'm glad that the energy is finally starting to lighten up, um, that we're starting to have really nice days, that the sun is setting after 8 p.m. It's amazing, and it definitely helps, you know, me feel a little bit better. So I hope it's helping you guys feel better, too. So as some of you may know, but some of you may not, May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month. So yes, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I really wanted to take the time this episode to discuss my journey and my own personal struggles with mental health and actually my journey with postpartum depression when I had my first son. So yeah, where should I begin? I think... You know, I think I always had some sort of anxiety. Um, Growing up, like, being an only child, I don't know if any of you guys that are only childs feel this way, but let me know if you do, because I want to hear from other people that are only childs. Let me know if you feel like you suffered anxiety your whole life (laughs) just from being the only child. Um, Yeah, I feel like I have always had like some sort of anxiety from being an only child um my parents they got divorced when I was 10 and that also gave me a lot of anxiety as well um I don't know why it did it's hard to articulate you know your feelings when you're that age but now when I'm looking back on it I definitely had severe anxiety from my parents divorce um I remember I was in fifth grade when they got divorced and I still remember you know when my I came home from school and my dad sat me down and basically told me you know like him and my mom were not going to be together anymore and that he was moving out um that was it was very hard for me it was very hard for me especially because I was already 10 at this point and I was so used to, you know, having that two-parent household. Um, although, I, I, as a kid, I always heard my parents arguing at night. And I feel like that also led to some anxiety. Um, I, I would hear them arguing and fighting at night when I was little. I still remember that, you know. And, and I would hear, like, things getting pretty heated sometimes. Things being thrown, you know. And as a kid you know that's scary and that that gives you anxiety because you're trying to sleep and you're trying to make sure it's peaceful but then every night you're kind of like worrying like oh my god are my parents gonna argue tonight so yeah I feel like that also gave me some kind of anxiety as well um but yeah back to being the only child so I've always felt like a pressure to be perfect And I don't think 
my parents necessarily like pushed that on me maybe subconsciously they did but you know they really pushed education on me and they wanted me to do well and I felt like I had to do well you know I was the only one so I had to be the one to make them proud um so like I really focused on my education I took school very very seriously like if I would get like a B on the spelling test, I would like cry <laughs> because I I was like a perfectionist when it came to school and, and to my grades and I wanted to make my parents proud. I wanted to do very well. So that gave me some kind of anxiety because I was always worrying about making sure I was doing well in school. Um, and, and just in all aspects, because I was my parents' only child, I just felt like I had to do well in all aspects. Like, I had to be the good girl. Like, I just had to be the one to keep it all together. I had to be the the one that is perfect. I had to be their perfect little golden child, you know? And I definitely think a lot of that stemmed over into, you know, my adulthood and feeling like I have to people please and and just be, like, the perfect person for everyone. And, and that you know, that's not always, you're not always going to be perfect. No one's perfect. You know, we're all just out here trying to do the best that we can. And I think from learning that, you know, in adulthood, it helped me realize, like, I'm just doing the best that I can at, at, with the resources that I have and that the time that I am in my life, you know, I'm not always going to be doing perfectly. There's going to be times of struggle. There's going to be hard times and I think realizing that as an adult helps with anxiety a little bit because I really I don't feel so much pressure to be perfect um and honestly I'm just getting to that point now in my life because even in my early 20s I felt like that I felt like I had to be a perfect girlfriend and I had to be a perfect mom when I first had my um first son at excuse me at 23 so I was still pretty young and I I was still trying to figure it out. So yeah. I'm I'm 29 now and I'm just learning. Like no one's perfect. You don't have to be perfect and you're just doing the best that you can. You're just flowing like the river and and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to just flow. And some days are still hard. Like some days I still feel a lot of that pressure. Um but I'm just taking it day by day. So yeah, that that is a little bit about my background and why I think I have anxiety I've always had a little bit of anxiety um but yeah back to my parents divorce so I remember being in fifth grade and you know I I think I would take the bus home from school I think that's what I would yeah I would take the bus home from school and then um you know my mom or dad would be there when I got off of school But when my parents got divorced, on the days that I went to my dad's house after school, he would pick me up. And I remember one of my friends noticing that and, like, asking me about it. And it gave me such anxiety that I lied to her about it and um, basically told her that everything was fine. And I don't know why I did this. You know, I was only 10, but just the fact that you know my parents were divorcing and I felt like 
everyone else's parents were still together and I was so young I didn't know how to say how I really felt about it so that was hard you know it gave me a lot of anxiety for a long time I didn't tell my friends that my parents separated I tried to just act like everything was fine even though like they would ask me little stuff because they would notice little things like that I was going with my dad sometimes or I was going with my mom sometimes um so yeah that that my parents divorce gave me extreme anxiety um at times I felt like was it my fault you know that they got divorced and even though they they never said anything to me that would make it feel like it was my fault I just it's just part of my anxiety and those intrusive thoughts you know you're always thinking something like is your fault or like people are mad at you so yeah I struggled with that (laughs) ever since a child and it, it it really does suck um I wish I knew better or I wish somebody would have maybe asked me how I was really feeling. Um, I, I feel like no one ever really asked me how do I really feel about it. <laughs> um, so that was that's kind of a struggle. You know, I wish I got to talk about how I felt more. I wish maybe I went to some kind of therapy or counseling. I don't know. But I did also hide my excuse me my emotions a lot so I made it seem like everything was fine but on the inside I was really hurting so yeah um to all the kids out there that are struggling maybe like with their parents divorce make sure that you use your voice and you talk about how you're feeling because you know you don't want that to linger on into your childhood like it did to mine um and it's something that I'm still healing from because I didn't speak up a lot about how I was feeling so yeah just make sure if you're feeling some type of way that you speak your truth you speak your mind always speak your truth that is something that I'm still learning today even as a 29 year old adult speak your truth because if not people are never gonna know and you're just gonna be harboring all these feelings inside so yeah speak your truth speak your mind So yeah, next I want to get a little bit into my journey with postpartum depression. So like I said earlier, I had my first son at 23 years old. And even though I wasn't a teen mom, I was still a pretty young mom. You know, I'm only 23. I was just like a couple months (laughs) after graduating college and here I am having a baby. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know how to raise a kid. I'm still trying to figure stuff out myself. So that was hard, you know. Um, I feel like I wasn't really educated on birth. I wasn't educated on parenting. Um, And there's no one to blame. I feel like I could have done more. Maybe I could have taken parenting classes or talked to other moms. Um... I don't know. I don't know exactly what I could have done differently or what anyone could have done differently to change the outcome of me struggling with postpartum. But I went through it and but I made it through. So that's something positive. Um, So, yeah. So here I am pregnant, 23 years old, and I have my son 
and first off my labor was pretty traumatizing um I was told that I had to be induced at 41 weeks on the dot which now today I know that isn't true at all um you don't have to do anything that these doctors tell you to do. It's your body. So you can say no. Um, being 23, I had I didn't know that. I didn't know that I could say no. I wish somebody would have told me. I wish I knew. But, yeah, I mean, it's a lesson learned. Um, so, yeah, I went in to be induced at 41 weeks in the dog because the doctors told me that I had to, even though that's complete bullshit. Um I, I went in, I remember going in and like getting set up and they gave me, they started giving me um, Pitocin. So Pitocin is the drug that they use to induce labor and like basically give you false contractions. Um, so yeah, they started giving me that and I was, I was doing pretty well with the contractions. I was, um, I feel like I have a high pain tolerance, so I was taking it well. I was doing good. It was painful, yes. I started throwing up, yes. <laughs> it was a lot, but I was getting through it. Um, and then, like, I remember my dad coming in the room and, and saying that I should get the epidural because he felt like I was in a lot of pain, which is something, another lesson learned. Uh, this time around, yes, I'm expecting again, and I will not have other people in there tell me what they think I should do. <laughs> um, because I knew I went into natural labor, but because my dad said it, I went and did it. Um, and then I ended up having a horrible reaction to the epidural, which is something else, you know? So yeah, I regret getting the epidural. Like as soon as I got the epidural, my heart rate went up. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was having a panic attack. And I, then I later learned that's because fentanyl is an epidural so yes I wish I never got that shit so yeah anyways I got the epidural and then once you get the epidural you can't get up and move around so I'm here just stuck to the bed you know it was terrible um and I still could feel stuff like it didn't even relieve the pain all the way I still could feel it so yeah um I wish I never did that shit but anyway so moving forward 18 hours later, um, I'm five centimeters, and the doctor's like, oh, you have to have a C-section because it's been too long, which is also complete bullshit. Um, that, yeah, they don't have, you can't be forced to have a C-section unless there's something medically going on. My baby was fine. I was fine. And it's just because it was taking too long in the doctor's eyes, they decided to give me a C-section another red flag don't let these doctors force you into getting a c-section ladies unless there's something medically wrong you do not have to get one just because it's not going fast enough as they would like because that's complete bullshit so yeah i ended up having a c-section um with my son my first son which you know i was just happy that he was here and healthy and we were both okay um, so we get home and we're discharged and we go home and immediately, you know, everyone leaves. My boyfriend, well, he's now my husband, but he was my boyfriend at the time. He had to go back to work and back to school. My mom, she lives in North Carolina. She went back to North Carolina. My dad is 30 minutes away. He went back home and continued his life and 
there I was with a newborn at home every day by myself. Um, It was a struggle. I felt alone. I didn't have, you know, the friends that I thought were my friends. No one really reached out to me to see if it was okay. People came to visit me like once and then just that was it, (laughs) you know. Um, So it was hard. I struggled. My my son, he had um, some gas issues, so it made him fussy. So he was like to be held a lot and he wouldn't sleep for long periods of time at first and so you know I figured out that he was having these gas issues um so yeah it was really hard and that led me into a deep depression um I didn't have any thoughts of harming myself or harming the baby but I just felt like not myself I felt so blah I felt so drained I I just it was hard you know, I was sad all the time, and it was just me taking care of this baby, and I was home, um, so yeah, I really struggled with that, uh, I went back to work when he was three months, and going back to work definitely helped, you know, getting out the house and having a sense of person again, and not just being this mom all day, every day, so going back to work helped me, you know, get out of it, But I must say, it took me a very long time to feel like myself again. It probably took me until after his first birthday to truly feel like myself again. Um, So, yeah, I really struggled. I did. I struggled with that. Uh, Some things that I would do differently, you know, like I said, I am expecting again. And I'm glad that I have more support this time around I'm glad that my husband won't have to just leave and go straight back to work or straight back to school um I hired a doula and a midwife that are always going to be there for me and a resource for me uh so I'm I'm super glad for the resources I have this time around and I really hope that I don't experience it again because it was very hard for me to get get back to myself And I feel like sometimes it was hard for me to connect with my baby because I was so sad. Um, So, yeah, all you guys are out there struggling with postpartum depression. Just let me know. I am here for you to talk. Um, I hear you. I see you. And it will get better. Please, 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 please make sure you talk to somebody about it. Um, Because that's another thing. I didn't talk to anyone about it because... I don't know. I'm just the kind of person that holds everything in. So I didn't talk to anyone about it. I struggled in silence and and I was really struggling. It was hard for me. So, yeah, like I was saying, I struggled in silence and it was really hard for me. Um, I did end up talking about it later on, you know, after I got through it and after my son was older, um, I ended up talking about it. So that helped, you know, finally being able to, you know, just let it out because I kept it in for a long time. I didn't want anyone to know that I was struggling, but yeah, I was struggling. Um, so yeah, I also wrote an article about... postpartum depression in women with color because 
a lot of times we are seeing women with color struggling more often than women not of color and it's very unfortunate so if you want to check out this article it is published in black voices magazine that's black voices magazine and the magazine you can go to speak to my soul.com again that's speak to my soul.com and i was so thankful for this opportunity um to post my article in this magazine because it allowed me to share my story and that was the first time that I really got to share my story and like even my grandma what I call her big mom but she read my article and you know she reached out to me afterwards and was like I had no idea you know because like I said before I I kept it all to myself but so yes go to speak to my soul.com and you can get your copy of black voices magazine and read my article about postpartum depression in women of color. Um, <clears throat> so now at this point, I just want to talk about some tips that help me with my daily anxiety. Um, like I said, I struggle with... After having postpartum depression, I feel like my anxiety, like my daily anxiety got a lot worse. Um, I'm constantly anxious. I'm, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I get anxiety a lot over a lot of different things um, about work, about life stressors. You know, I just feel anxious a lot. Um, So when I noticed my anxiety was getting really bad, I started taking medication for it. Um, And I actually took, what was the medication I took? Okay, I started with Zoloft and I hated, hated Zoloft. It made me feel so blah. It made me feel like nothing. And it's not that I wanted to feel nothing. I just didn't want to feel anxious. So I got off of Zoloft and then she gave me Lexapro. And Lexapro was good at first. Um, I could, I definitely felt like it helped my symptoms. I wasn't as anxious. Um, But then over time, like I feel like it just stopped working. Maybe because I was too used to it or... I don't know, but I, this is crazy because it was actually during the pandemic when I stopped taking my anxiety medication. I was just like, I'm tired of this. It was also making me gain a lot of weight and I didn't like that. So yeah, I was, I decided that I didn't want to take it anymore. So I stopped taking it and you know, I feel like I can definitely cope with my anxiety better um, by myself now that I know, now that I understand myself more, I understand my anxiety more, I understand what makes me anxious, I understand my triggers, Um, I feel like I can cope with my anxiety better, however, I still have my days where I'm like super anxious, and and that's just normal, you know, not every day is going to be a good day, and like I said, it's okay not to be okay, and it's okay to have off days, but some things that I do do to, um, you know, cope with my daily anxiety is getting sunlight. Sunlight <laughs> so much helps me. Um, just being able to sit in the sun or being outside just for 10 minutes, it just helps brighten my mood. It, it makes me feel less anxious. Um, it just makes me feel good overall. So, yeah, getting outside definitely has helped. Taking more walks. Um, exercising, um, yes, exercising 
definitely relieves my anxiety. It helps me sleep better. You know, exercising, it just helps you feel good overall. And I notice that when I'm really, like, exercising a lot, um, frequently and eating well, my mental health seems to be pretty good. So I think overall, just taking care of your body, um, it definitely affects everything. It affects your physical and your mental. So keep that in mind. Um, journaling and writing, that always has helped. I've always been a writer. I've always been a journaler. So when I'm feeling anxious, just getting my notepad out and just writing it out, it's like an instant relief for me. Like, I just feel like, oh, like I finally got it out. Even if there's no one there that I can explain what I'm going through to, I was able to get it out on pen and paper. So journaling and writing has helped me so much. Um, another thing is meditating. Um, trying to meditate like daily. Just taking that time to really clear your mind and tune in with your conscious. You know, that has helped me so much. And breath work. <laughs> this is so important because I feel like as humans, we kind of forget that we need to breathe or just take a couple deep breaths. Like when I feel myself getting worked up, sometimes I just take a couple deep breaths, you know? Um, and it really helps. It's like a huge relief. Um, so breath work is definitely something that helps me. Um, taking hot showers, self-care, you know, all of that. So if you guys are experiencing any mental health issues, um, try to get some sunlight, try to get outside, take care of yourself, um, take care of your body, eat right. You know, try to take a walk or exercise. I'm sure it will help you feel, you know, and it's not going to help you feel 100% better, but it will help you feel a little bit better. And that's all that matters. Um, And take it day by day. Like I said, not every day is going to be perfect. Not every day is going to be easy. Some days are going to be harder than others, Um, you know. And if you're ever feeling suicidal, please the suicide hotline um talk to your doctor because we want you here you know you deserve to be alive and you deserve to be well and you deserve to be happy so let's keep mental health awareness up as we celebrate may for mental health awareness month um thank you all for tuning into this episode and if you have any comments or reviews feel free to share thank you all and enjoy your day